Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And uh, one of my favorite people to talk to you about that relating to business, the economy, and those type of things, and public policy in particular as it relates to it, is my guest this segment, Alex Brill, former chief economist at the uh, House uh, Ways and Means Committee, and uh, he has worked with some, the, the White House as, a, as an economist, uh, and he's now currently and has been for quite some time with the American Enterprise Institute as a fellow, one of my favorite organizations, one of the true honest players in the think tank space. Uh, so nowadays, so many think tanks are really kind of almost uh, pseudo-advocacy pseudo, uh, groups. I mean, they're not even pseudo. I don't know how they keep their status, to be honest with you, a lot of them, <laughs> uh, and some, some with big reputations as well. And, uh, you know, what I like about AEI is that they're honor, honest players when it comes to debate. Uh, yes, they have a worldview that they operate from, but they're honest players when it comes to debate, and I love that, and that's AEI.org. Alex, always glad to have you on the program. Um, Caught recently an article where they were talking about you um, and uh, a conservative think tank, which was AEI, and its uh, preference to see an end to tax exemption for credit unions. And credit unions, I, I would think most people after a certain age join a credit union, and, and frankly, those who finally get around to joining a credit union wish they had done it sooner uh, because there are huge benefits, uh, lower costs for loans often, fewer fees, sometimes no fees, where fees are ubiquitous. There's a lot of advantages to uh, joining a credit union. Um, and there's a reason why. And, and one of the biggest reasons why, maybe multiple reasons, but the biggest reason why is the tax-exempt status. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so first, uh, it's great to be on the show again. It's always good to talk with you. Um, so... Um, recently, uh, AEI released uh, a book uh, called American Renewal, which um, I would plug and encourage folks to check out. It's a, it's a large volume that talks about a whole broad set of policy issues. Uh, in that book, I wrote, I co-wrote a chapter on, on fundamental tax reform. Had to really um, restructure the American tax system, both at the business level and at the individual level, so that there's a broader base and there's lower rates, and that the U.S. is more competitive uh, for for businesses and employers in the, in the international arena. In that chapter, um, we talk about the need to um, have a, a simpler and fairer tax code, one with with fewer narrow tax breaks and provisions. And identify as one of those policies that, that could go away would be the tax preference for credit unions. I should say, I, I don't think there's anything inherently bad about credit unions. The question is whether or not they should be subsidized in the tax code. And they are treated today, um, they are tax exempt entities, they are, they are tax preferred. Uh, and it's particularly noteworthy because they're tax preferred relative to their competitors, which are all the other banks. So Bank of America yeah. and U.S. Bank and all these other banks, those are providing very similar services, and, th and they pay taxes. And credit unions provide similar services to those banks, and they get a tax break. And so this raises the question of not are credit unions good or bad, but the question of is this tax break worth it? Is it worth yeah. creating this distortion that favors one set of um, financial services players over another? Right, and um, and so you know, with that, there's always a there's always a reason 
something has happened. There was a reason they decided to make credit unions tax-exempt, obviously, right? And it, it, we always look back, and it's always crony, you know, crony this or uh, choosing winners. It's always very cynical. Um, but I've done a little bit of homework on it. And in the early days uh, of credit unions, they were really targeted. In fact, now any, almost any group, institution can call itself a credit union. The guidelines, yeah, you have to live in Houston. Oh, I have to live in a town with 4 million people? Got it. That's really <laughs> narrow. Uh, you know, uh, but, it, but it addressed specific needs. It had a specific niche. A lot of them were working class, for, for working class patrons, which is certainly not the case now. Uh, but talk a little bit about the logic behind them when they were created and how they became so, so broad now. Yeah, uh, um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm not a historian on the credit union industry, but my understanding is very similar to yours, that initially uh, these were, uh, they were few and far between. They were generally and frequently um, tied to an employer. And so some, some of the largest credit unions today are tied to an employer, the Navy Federal Credit Union um, or, or the Boeing Credit Union um, out in, in Washington State. Um, some of some of the largest credit unions and and then there's been this proliferation really in two regards one is um the the sort of the criteria to establish one and and we have where i live there are certainly ones in my neighborhood that are just really seem to be just for the people of the neighborhood not really tied to a to a cause or, or a community in any other sense and then i think there has been expansions with with respect to um uh, like sort of related, how, how related you have to be to that organization um, to to be able to join. Um, this is you know children, spouses, uh, re relatives, and and these institutions have grown over time, both in the number of them and and their size. Again, uh, they provide services, as, as you mentioned at the t at the top of the hit. I mean, they provide valuable services and sometimes um, lower fees. Um, not always, uh, right? And so there's, there's a wide range of them. And, and just like for-profit banks, you know, some of them provide really great rates and on on loans, and uh, and some less less favorable. Um, but there has been a large uh, growth over over a long period of time in the size of this segment of the banking industry. Yeah, yeah. And early on, my understanding is that. It, it was people who qualified because of where they worked or maybe even what they did. There's certain education uh, credit unions, for example, and you just have to prove you're a teacher, and their nuclear family could benefit. And now it's like, oh, you know someone who's a teacher? Sure, sign up. Right. I mean, I may be exaggerating, maybe exaggerating a little, but, but you know, you talk about many uh, multiple degrees of separation uh, between uh uh, people and, and being able to qualify to join these credit unions is pretty insane. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And so there's a there are I think a set of narrower policy questions about um, you know what what are the rules of these. One could say that these are that these are good and appropriate, but need to be targeted and and purposeful. Um, and then and we could have you know sort of more oversight or tighter regulations around. The, the rules of the road for credit unions. Um, someone, and obviously people would disagree about, about that. Someone may take the opposite view and say, no, 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 we only want people banking with credit unions. We don't want these, the, the other financial institutions. That's not my view. Um, 
and then more broadly, and this is what I uh, mentioned, honestly, in passing, but it's what it is certainly what I what I what we mentioned in the in the book chapter is this broader fundamental question about what should be a tax exempt entity, what commercial enterprise activities are deserving of a tax exempt status. And so I would here distinguish a credit union from, say, a museum, also a tax exempt mm-hmm. entity generally, um, but not a but not competing head to head with for profit and non profit museums. Uh, the other big right. space, in fact, a much bigger space where the same question arises is with respect to hospitals, where we have many, many not for profit hospitals, tax exempt hospitals and many, many for profit hospitals. And we're providing a tax subsidy for for those tax exempt hospitals, and one could ask the question: Is how are those hospitals different from the for profit hospitals? Yeah. How are they earning their tax exempt status? Yeah, and and yeah, because I notice my bills outrageous, regardless regardless if it's a non profit <laughs> hospital or a for profit hospital. What what in the world? So. Uh, Oh, I see the not-for-profit part where they're talking about me, not them. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah, it's insane. And so um, who's the beneficiaries of this? I mean, does it run like a business in terms of profits rolling into the, you know, uh, back into the organization? Is there disbursement of profits? I mean, it is not-for-profit. What happens to profits? Oh, my God, we made a profit. That's exactly the question. And, um, and you know, there is – um, there's a, a large body of research trying to find the difference between for-profit and non-profit hospitals. The for-profit hospitals, you know, they also provide a lot of, uh, of indigent care, uh, like the non-profit hospitals do. Uh, the credit unions, um, you know, provide great services to their customers. Maybe they provide those, cus- those services at a lower cost because they're tax exempt. If that's the case, they should, they should be able to show that and prove that, and demonstrate their how that that tax benefit is flowing through to the customers and how the customers are are, are uh, ending up better off in some way, or as you said, you know, is it going to the employees? Is it is it is it going to to some other activities? Going to 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 inefficiencies? Right? Are they just under less pressure to be efficient in their operations? And I'm I'm not saying oh, yeah. that I know the answer to those questions, but I think that those are good questions to ask of those entities that are receiving this tax subsidy. What are you doing with the tax subsidy? Because yeah, when like, they pay uh, less, like those questions. everyone else has to pay more. Yeah, I like those questions. Those are honest questions. There should be more asked. Uh, there's just a lot. You know, I, uh, you know, and the reality is, is that my experience, and again, it's really anecdotal. I haven't spent a whole lot of time researching this. Uh, but uh, my, my experience is that they are overall – better prices, better deals, less fees. That's my experience with them and what I've seen from, from many. But you're right, each one's, each one's unique. Um, and so, uh, but I also know that banks as a whole can do a lot more than what a credit union can do generally just because of its largesse. You know, I don't know how well credit unions would survive if they had to play with the exact same rules uh, as the banks. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's definitely yeah. true, and it may it may certainly be the case that there is a a role for both, right? There's a role in the community yeah. for, um, uh, for for both to coexist, and that you know that that we should that this, we don't need to rock the boat, you know. Um, it also may be the case 
that 100 years ago, the case for, for credit unions was stronger than it is today, right? That's also possible. <laughs> um, and that yeah. today, online banking, people, you know, more people have more access to more financial services, and that these, these are, you know, that the, either credit unions need to find a way to provide even more value, or, or we need to re, look harder at some of the oversight rules. Yeah, you know, and I got to tell you, because when I look at this type of situation, I look at, at the American people, and particularly those who are Americans but immigrants who are here that, uh, you know, come from places where banks are scary and that type of thing, so they, they won't even do that. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of poor people simply don't have any account. Does it make sense for them? They'd rather have, uh, you know, a money order rather than have a check balance if they're requiring something other than cash. You know, and so this is at least the very, very minimum, uh, a middle class subsidy, if not upper class as well. Well, uh, the concerns about the unbanked, I think, are, are real. Um, and, yeah. and in certain communities, banks, you know, aren't, aren't literally aren't on the ground in certain communities. It is, it is far to go to find a branch, um, and 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 technology can can address some of that. But that's a, a a real concern. But it's not the case that the credit union memberships are are restricted uh, only to those who are poor or in the middle class, right? Um, and so no, that's my know, point. That's, that's my point, right? Yeah. I would say the biggest beneficiaries are middle class or higher, right? That's my. I mean, yeah, that, that that may be the case. I mean, a lower rate on a big loan is worth more than a lower rate on a small loan, right? So it's a bigger subsidy, yeah. the bigger the loan. But but in addition, simply those who don't have accounts, just because they don't even have enough income to where it makes right. sense to get accounts. You know, uh, it it yeah. I mean, it's it's but it's typical. The vast majority of subsidies out there are for the middle and upper middle class. Why? Because that's where most of the votes are. I hate to be cynical, yeah. but <laughs> and it's where most of the deposits are inside a bank, right? I mean, the banks right. are, are, um, are are pursuing, are chasing the the the, the biggest deposits they can. I, it it is the case, I know that in the in the traditional banking sector, the the, the regular banks, the for profit banks, that there has been a, a progress and evolution uh, moving away from some of these overdraft fees um, that can you know just swamp. Uh, a low uh, account. You know, if you're only keeping 150 bucks in your account and you overdraft and you get hit with a $25 fine or fee, that's huge, right? Um, and so there has been progress moving away from some of those large, relatively large fees on on, on individuals who have who are low income or hold small small values in their accounts. And I think that that's that's progress to help bring more people into the banking community. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I hope so. I, I just look at it. And, again, I think a lot of people hate banks. You know, they, they, some of the worst stories in the news are bank-related. So that certainly makes them have favor towards credit unions. And who knows, maybe the banks look at the kind of people that, that the most credit unions attract as riff, you know, riff, riffraff. Yeah, let them have those. <laughs> we don't really want those accounts. I, I don't know. It would be an interesting study. Um, do, do the banks complain a lot about credit unions? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that people who who have an account are, are are generally happy. I think that's I think that's fair to say, and um, and nobody likes an overdraft fee, uh, you know, and um, or or bank hours, you know, where you go to the bank at four thirty and it's already closed or whatnot. And I think a lot of that stuff is 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 gone by, and and they're more responsive. 
um, to customers as the market evolves, because it's not just the dynamic between the credit unions and the banks, but we also have um, fintech services, right? You know, you don't maybe you don't need a bank account if you have a Venmo or a PayPal or uh, you know these other online ways to to hold and move money between individuals, and that's a competitive yeah. force on on both the credit unions and the banks themselves. But but do the banks do the banks lobby against the tax exemption that credit unions get? Um, my sense is that they they don't do so aggressively. No, um, I think that they uh, if you ask them if they think it's fair, they would say it's not fair. But I don't think that they expect that that the credit union benefit to go away, and so therefore they don't waste their time uh, lobbying against right. it. Right, got it. It's not that they they don't that they wouldn't like it gone, but they don't want to be Don Quixote uh, chasing windmills either. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we'll figure out other ways, like bailing out banks. That's a much better use of our times. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Alex Brill, always love having you on the show. Uh, love our conversations and always look forward to them. I hope you have a merry Christmas and look forward to spending uh, the New Year with you. Great. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Check out AEI.org, uh, one of my favorite places. I'm Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more.